Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to His Word being preached. As you can see there, the title is called Go, Send or Disobey. It's, a, it's, got, it's got a statement as an opening line. But um, John, this is, a, this is a quote of John Piper where he talks actually about missions in the, in, the, in the missional context of the church globally, that we as, we as the church globally have, have got a commission to either go or send people, or if we don't want to do that, then by implication we're disobeying a part of what God is actually calling the church to do and to be. Amen? Okay. So I'm going to... Just for context, I want to I'm going to start with the Great Commission. If you've been around a while, you would have heard me quote the Great Commission before. Um, then Jesus came to them and said, "All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always." to the very end. Now, the, the going and making disciples, we, we, in theory, all of us are comfortable with it. We know that we need to make disciples. However, sometimes in our thinking, we think that it is reserved to a certain place, a certain time, and to certain individuals. But first and foremost, when we come to Christ, we are called to be disciples. And a disciple of Jesus is one that follows Jesus. And one that follows Jesus, by implication, will also make other disciples of Jesus. Okay, so if you want to know whether you are a disciple of Jesus, or let me, let me rather quote it differently. Whether you want to know whether you are an effective disciple of Jesus is by checking whether the people that you are discipling are also making disciples. You get it? Okay, because disciples inevitably start making disciple makers. Are you, with, are you with me? Yeah, so that is... Now, obviously, different people are in different stages in their growth with God. So it doesn't mean that by, by the word go that, that you, you're going to be there. So, I mean, our, our journey with God is, is a journey. It's a process of being made more and more like Him. But the more and more we become like Him, also the more effective we will become at discipling others. Okay, so that's in the, in the context of the Great Commission. And we talk about the Great Commission and the Great Command, where um, some of the teachers of the law have this conversation with Jesus. It says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So we, we need to, if we're serious about following Jesus, we need to live out the Great Commission in the context of the Great Commandment by loving God more than anything else and loving people just like ourselves. So when I talk about it, we need to go, it precedes, this precedes actually the going. Is, is our love for God, our devotion to God. And once we start loving people around us, both 
brothers and sisters in Christ, but also ones that aren't, then by implication we are going to start living out the Great Commission as well. So, and the thing is that the Great Commission lived out in the light of the Great Commandment connects us with three things. Now, I'm going to talk, I'm going to just touch on the first two things, but it's, it's, it's important to mention them because the first things first, and then, and then I'm going to talk about the last one, and I'm going to spend a little bit more time on that. It connects us with Christ. Okay, so the, the Great Commission, in the light of the Great Commandment, connects us with Christ. You see the alliteration there, eh? Okay, you with it? C, 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 everywhere. Okay, that's him. Any, you've taught me well. Um, okay, so Matthew 16, verse 15 to 16 says, He said to them, But who do you say I am? This is Jesus talking to his disciples. And Peter replies, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now the disciples have been walking with Jesus for, for a number of times, somewhere between zero and three years. He spent three years with the disciples. And somewhere along the line, Jesus asked them this question. So they have been walking with him, and, they, and, and Peter has this revelation. And the conversation that's, that, that flows from there is that Jesus kind of goes on and says, Blessed are you for f- like human flesh, understanding that and reveal this to you. Um, he says, but it's a, it's a supernatural revelation, basically. Um, all right, so the thing is that, that Jesus, first and foremost, calls us to himself. Okay, so before we talk about going and making disciples, we need to know that there's an invitation to Jesus himself. Going to go and make disciples without coming to Jesus first, you're going to struggle. I think it's impossible, actually. Although God uses people to connect them with it, but the effectiveness is going to struggle. Okay, so it's first and foremost an evaluation of where are you in your own walk with God. Are you connected to Christ? Do you love God above everything else? Everything. Above your husband, above your wife, above your children, above your work, above what you want to still achieve, above every other desire. Do you love God more than all of that? And then the second thing is, is do you love the people around you as much as you love yourself? Or more. Um, and if you don't love yourself, then start there. Because if you love God more than anything else then you will also embrace God's opinion about, your, about you. And if you embrace that part of how he sees you, then you will also love yourself. Okay, so um, just important to, to mention it. And then the other thing is that, that, that the Great Commission, the Great Command connects us with is with community, is with church community. Um, and now for a lot of you sitting here, it's like... You following Jesus has connected you with Christ, and He has connected you to this church community. For other people, it's, it's a different church community, but also that I, what I've noticed over the years is, is sometimes people take long before they actually connect in that kind of a community. And I just want to say, by, by following Jesus, there's a call to the body of Christ as well. Yes, globally when you come to Christ, you, in theory you do become part of the global body of Christ. But he also calls us into com- close community in order for us to... Easter slap Easter, iron sharpens iron. Have you ever tried to love one another on your own? 
Um, have you ever tried to esteem others higher than yourselves on your own? How's it working out for you? How's it going all right? Obviously, that so many things in Scripture, the, the, the thing behind what Scripture often talks about is the living it out in the context of community or in the context of the world. Um, and if we do the monk thing about removing ourselves completely from the world, then we are also ineffective in the world by taking the gospel to the world. Um, also, if we... And we, we run this risk in church also very easily, is that we only have friends that are Christians. We are only have friends that are in church. We remove ourselves from the world. And often it's not intentional. Often you've already led everybody that you know to Christ and you don't have any more friends left. Um, and therefore you need to go and make new friends out there. Um, and that's a, that's a good problem to have, amen? Okay, so um, connects us with, with Christ and connects us with community. And we, we read in Acts chapter 2 there. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So we see that, that they were in one accord. They met in the temple, like a big group gathering like this, and they met from house to house, typically our small group gatherings or our Bible school or whatever. So there's a, there, you see it in a typical biblical pattern is that they came together in big groups, but they also came together, together in, in smaller groups. Um, and the amazing thing there is, there, right at the bottom, is, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Um, and that's amazing. Who, who of you students were first year in the last two services? None of you have been back, eh? Okay, cool. Um, so who of you have been here over the last two weeks seeing all of the students come in? Yeah? It's amazing to see how many people come to salvation or, or respond to the message. If you've ever wondered whether the, the laborers are few and the harvest is plentiful, okay, that is a news flash right there. Um, and, uh, and Vince and Bonga and you guys uh, that are in res and you guys are second year, I want to say that you're not there by accident. It's an attempt by you guys. You're not there by accident. You know, you're not here by accident. God has got a plan and a purpose for you guys right there in res. Um, and I want, to, I want to encourage the rest of the congregation, even if you can't be there, just, just carry these students in, in your prayers because the, the harvest is massive. Not only there, but the, 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 the harvest is massive all around us. Who of you were at the Alpha launch on Monday? It was cool to see, right? Amen. It was what was amazing for me to see is how many people were there that I've never seen in my life before. That don't look like you church people. <laughs> Amen. And that's amazing. Like, where's, where's Hanu? Hanu said we, we need to get ashtrays for Alpha. Um, not for you guys to start smoking, just so that the people that do smoke actually feel that they belong. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm sidetracking a little bit. But it connects us with, with community. Um, Stacia, where, where, where's Stacia? Stacia came to me during, during, the, during the worship and said that she feels God wants her to share her testimony. Um, so I'm going to give you a shot at this. Not a shot at this, but I'm, gonna, I'm give you, giving you a shot at keeping it short. 
So come share your testimony quickly, because she's also got an amazing testimony just about how God saved her and how God has connected her to this community. All right, so um, and that's why I feel that it fits in nicely with what, what this point actually also brings across. Hello, church. Um, morning. <laughs> okay, when I grew up, I didn't grow up. I wasn't privileged enough to know Jesus. I grew up in a Muslim family. So my, mother, my father was Muslim, but my mother converted to Islam. So all my childhood I spent in Madresa and um, yeah, just bringing people to Madresa and stuff. So um, yeah, when I got to know God, I, it was a very difficult decision because um, I began to get sick. I was epileptic and asthmatic and no one around me knew how to help me because I was also being like seeing things that wasn't there, uh, demon oppression, possession, and all that stuff. And when I used to sleep, I used to scream. Lisa can testify about that. <laughs> Every night, um, I would like scream and I could feel nails on me. And I used to pray before I go to sleep, but not calling out to Jesus, just uh, normal prayer that Muslims used to do. And then this one day, I just was laying in bed. I'm like, God, I'm really tired. I, everything I'm doing is not helping. The, uh, the Mulana can't help me. The high priest in Madrid, uh, the mosque can't help me. No one could help me. What, what now? I, I don't know. I feel like killing myself. Why was I born? Why am I here? And I was just uh, questioning all this, all this at, to God. And that day, I just opened the Quran and... Um, this, I, what I can remember is just God telling me in the Quran that uh, knock, there will be someone knocking at the door, open up, and do not chase, uh, chase him out, shut the door. And I just got like blinded, and the, at that same moment, a knock came at the door, and I went to the door, and I opened, and I said, like, you church people. You. <laughs> and um, I used to like chase them. People that came to my house that brought uh, anything about Jesus away. And I'm like, no, 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 just go, just go. I don't want to hear nothing about whatever you're doing now. And that moment, I just like, I really need whatever they bring in now. So I opened the door and they prayed, uh, they came in, they shared uh, scripture and asked me, my um, Christian, I'm like, no, but you can speak. And then they spoke and then they said, can, I told them what's going on with me. Then they said, okay, can we come back when your father is here? Because my father is like, it's his house and I can't allow anyone to just come pray and do their stuff there. That's what I told him. And then they came in, uh, they came seven o'clock and then I'm like, told my father, please don't tell him I'm here. Please <laughs> just tell him I'm gone somewhere because I don't want to have nothing to do with him. And that very night, they came, they prayed, but I couldn't feel anything. And then the night when I went to go sleep, I'm like, God, I feel it again. I see it again. What should I do? And then Lester told me to pray our father. He taught me the prayer. And then I just started to pray. And then that wasn't good enough for me because my heart was not there. And then I'm like, I need a higher power. I need someone to fill, fill this place that this things that is like destroying. And that very moment, a voice came to me and like, call out to the name of Jesus. So I'm laying there and I'm like, God, I, I give myself to you. I, 
I call out to your name, Jesus, please help me because I can't do this anymore. I really can't do this anymore. I was suffering with insomnia. I couldn't sleep. And that night I slept like a baby. So the whole, after that, things wasn't the same. I went to a, a um, church and they delivered me. Uh, God delivered me at that point. I just went up in front. I went for an altar call and I fell. Felt like a wind went through my nose, lifted me up and just fell. And at that point I was vomiting and just screaming. Um, so from that time, things wasn't the same. I used to lead people. I used to teach children the, the Islamic Arabics, um, uh, alphabets. But now God has is, God is put so much on my heart. And I've been through so much that I feel like, Yo, God, I'm giving everything to you because I know where you took me out. I know where I was. And last year, I've been through that place again where I was without Christ. And God, I, I couldn't know, I didn't know it, how to get back. I couldn't know how to, to tell Christ, God, yeah, I am, use me. But I was in a place of so much dryness. I, I said, yo, God, I'm tired now. I'm really tired. I'm giving, again, everything to you. I backslided, but you are still so faithful. You never let go of me. So, yeah, God is so good. No matter in what place you are, he is always faithful. He is so good. Amen. Thanks. Thanks, Tasha, for being obedient also to come and share. Um, and I just I just want to encourage us to to um, to really look around us in our everyday lives. Uh, we were we were we were those people that we were the lost sheep at some stage, and somebody prayed for us or reached out to us and shared the news with us, um, and for us to also just trust God to open up our eyes to see people around us, to really see people around us, um, and not just on the facade, not just on the on the on the surface, but to really to really see see people. Um, and then, then the third thing that I, that I believe that that the Great Commission and the Great Command connect us with is with His cause. Why, why, are, we, why are we still here? Um, why, once we're in relationship with Jesus, doesn't He actually take us home to be with Him? It's because the work is not done. Um, Jesus, the, the very purpose why the Father sent Jesus to die for our sins is to redeem mankind. We are part of that. And the reason why we're still here and not in heaven yet is because He wants us to live that great commission out. He wants us to be the hands and the feet that actually takes the gospel to take His word to people around us. And you don't have to go to Bhutan to do that. You can just look around you in your everyday life, um, in your own home, your neighbors, your colleagues. Um, and if you really don't have anybody to share the gospel with, come and talk to me. I've got a lot of people that I know of that you can talk to. Um, both here at Roosevelt High School, the ground staff, they're very keen for us to start a small group here. At UJ, we have more people to follow up than what we can handle. Um, I can, we can go on and on. Okay, so the need is big there. It's just a matter of are we available and are we obedient to what God is calling us individually and corporately to do. So connecting us with His cause 
Okay, so why do we go and why do we send? In Romans 10, it says there, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Who of you have heard the saying that preach the gospel and if necessary use words? I don't pick that up in scripture. Okay? Where that saying comes from, I back the heart behind the saying. Meaning that I believe that that saying came from a place of hypocrisy. You can't preach what you're not living out yourself. I think that's where it came from. Okay? But it needs to be both. We need to preach the gospel by not saying anything, but we also need to use words. Because people aren't going to understand what's going on in your life unless you tell them. People aren't going to understand the gospel until, unless you tell them. Um, who of you got Muslim colleagues, who of them has come to Christ because you've lived a godly life? How did that happen, Chris? You were in an accident. Okay, but this is, okay, oh, that's you were in an accident. <laughs> okay, so obviously God does something supernatural in that way sometimes. Uh, like when I was when I was in auditing, one of the guys was a Hindu, made the comment. He used to try and grill me about church and stuff, and. Uh, he was, he was riffing on about um, if he had to come to church, then the, t- the, the place would be will burn down and that kind of stuff. And once we were talking about music or something and, and, and um, having music on our laptops, which we actually don't own. Okay? And I said, and, and the conversation came out that I don't have any music on my laptop or I don't own any music that I don't own because it's illegal if you didn't know. Um, and he was like, you want to tell me that you have not one song on your laptop that you don't own? I was like, yes. And the Muslim junior sat there and said, and when I grow up, that's why I want to be like young George. <laughs> uh, so, but obviously there's a conviction moment there, but, but unless we then be deliberate and take the conversation further, they're not going to hear the gospel. They won't understand why we live the moral life, why we do the things that we, that we do. Okay, so connecting us, why, why we go and why we send. So with these missions teams that went out this year or last year, um, we, they came to, like, we planned the Tanzania mission. It's a relationship we have with the church in Tanzania. So them and the, uh, the churches in Delhi, we have a relationship with them. We have defined relationships with them. So we prioritize those two relationships at this stage when we send mission teams there. Um, the, the girls from, that wanted to go to Bhutan, God spoke to them about God wants them to go to Bhutan. So we didn't plan it from pastor, from pastor's side. God often would speak to you and say, this is where I want you to go. And we was like, okay, let's just have a chat about a couple of the practicalities. Are you, like, how did it happen? And how can we help you to be equipped in, in going? How can we enable you to then go? The same with Maret saying that I want to go, but I just don't want to go on my own accord. Will you guys send me? Um, and, I, and I believe that there's a, there's a spiritual backing and spiritual covering that comes with that context. Okay? So with that future in mind, okay, even if we do missions 
and there's certain you feel God calling you to go somewhere which is not on our missions list, doesn't mean that you shouldn't be going there. Okay, let's just open up the conversation and talk through some of the practicalities. Um, if God is calling you to Iraq and you just get God saved, we might say, okay, let's just check the timing on that. I'm not saying it's not true. It's just that if, if you don't know culturally what you're getting yourself into, you might die before you enter the country. Um, and both on a natural and a spiritual level, it can be dangerous. So that's why we just want to make sure that you are equipped to go and do then that which God, which God has called you for. Okay, so with me leaving, I used to coordinate the missions. I used to be the contact point from the congregation side, just coordinating where we're going, that kind of thing. Hanu is now the alpha male. He will be... <laughs> he's also running alpha. Um, so he, he, he's your contact point. Okay, so if you're wondering about any of that, then you can ask, you can ask Hanu. Okay. Um, Carl Henry said this. He said, the gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. Um, and shucks, that, is, that hits so hard right at home. With a father-in-law or a dad or a brother or a sister or a cousin. And, and obviously we try and we pray and sometimes those conversations don't open. But it doesn't mean that we don't actually wrestle in the Spirit for them. We pray and we intercede and we, and we really, and I'm talking to myself here as well. Um, often we have a heart for Africa, we have a heart for Asia, or we have a, or we have a heart for the children. Um, but um, like it needs to come back to, to our, own blood, our own blood as well that we would wrestle with God around this. Um, the next one there says, Matthew 9, verse 36 to 38, it says, When he saw the crowds, this is Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And I want to just, just highlight one or two things here. I, I did a whole sermon just on the scripture a year or so ago, so I'm just going to just distill it here. Jesus was positioned between the people, and therefore he could see the people. And so if you don't have a heart for the lost, I want you to do two things. Position yourself differently and ask God to open up your eyes to see people. And then open up your heart for him to stir compassion in your heart. Because even Jesus, once he saw the people, he, he was moved with compassion. And then what, what did he do? He immediately did something about it. He teaches his disciples to pray about the harvest. Not, not so much about the harvest, but to actually pray for the harvesters. Because the harvest is ready. And just after this is where, where Jesus feeds the 5,000 men and then plus women and children. I don't know if it's in the account of Matthew and Luke, but it's right after this, where Jesus talks about this, where he does this, where he's confronted with this. All right, so this is why we go, is because the harvest is massive, but the laborers are few. And often, I mean, we have all the excuses in the book. 
Um, like we have the excuses of Moses and Joseph and everybody. Like, but I stutter or I can't talk before people or but they are going to chase me away or whatever. And God is like, just, just follow me. Take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Learn from me. It's not supposed to be crazy, intimidating, although it is. <laughs> but if we do it with Christ, then it's just so, so different. Okay, uh, hurry up here. Next one. Okay, so where do we go? Where do we go and where do we send people to? And it starts with our everyday lives. I've kind of driven that point home, but it's the whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church. It's not part of the gospel to parts of the world by parts of the church. Amen? It's the whole gospel. And we need to allow the whole gospel to impact our whole world in order that we would be able to take it to the whole world around us. Um, to people working for us, people walking by us, people that we interact with often. And read this scripture with me in Acts chapter 1. This is Jesus talking to his disciples on one occasion while he was eating with them. He gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, with, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has sent by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There's a whole sermon right there, but let's kind of speed up here. Chicken in the oven and all of that. Um, the purpose, one of the purposes for being filled with the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit and moving in the power of the Holy Spirit is so that we can be effective witnesses. It changes the dynamic of our personal relationship with God as well, which is amazing, and it should start there. But it also changes the dynamic of our effectiveness of ministering to others, both in the body and outside of the body. And then it says there, and we will be His witnesses. Okay, they were in Jerusalem. So Jerusalem here. Our context here, Randburg, Johannesburg. Okay, Judea, the province, Gauteng. Samaria was kind of neighboring, but they also represented cross-culturally, people that they didn't, wouldn't naturally associate with. And to the ends of the earth, I don't have to explain it. And, and, and obviously, we can't do all of those at the same time, all of the time. But as part of the body of Christ, we need to embrace the fullness of that call. Now, for how it's going to look for Kun this year and how it's going to look for Peter this year might differ. In location, definitely. You're working different places. You're staying different places. Maybe God calls you to on a short-term mission trip somewhere. Maybe not. Maybe He does it for you. Maybe He doesn't. Maybe for you as a family with children, you think, oh, but I have children. I'm not going to go. Eh. All right. You go where God calls you. And if He calls you to take your children with, then you take them with. We're going to live at live. Um, and we're taking our children with us. Two years is a slightly long time to not take them with. 
Um, but like last year, Christine and I were both open for the consideration of us both going to India and taking our children with. We were like, yes, let's go. And we're like, mm, is this going to work? Um, <laughs> um, but we did feel like at, in the end, no, God is saying, don't, not now. So it doesn't, just because you have children, disqualify you from going on missions. Okay, so we are looking at next year, or this year, at doing like family-friendly or more children-friendly kind of missions as well. Um, so I want to quickly, in terms of where we as a congregation are sending people this year, um, meaning coordinating it from Hanu's side, if God is speaking to you on other things, then come talk to us. All right. So next one there. Um, okay, Johannesburg. Okay, maybe just stop there. Okay, I'm going to be very brief. Okay, give me five minutes. Okay, we start in Johannesburg. Okay, we, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Johannesburg, okay, Judea in our region, meaning soon our region will be us, Bloemfontein, Stanaton, and Secunda. That's where other Shofar congregations are also at, and we will soon become one region. So first and foremost, we're going to look at our existing church plants and how can we help those churches grow. Okay, so even in the international missions preparation, we're going to look at doing a weekend mission in preparation for the international mission to one of the other local congregations. See, what are the needs in that congregation and how can we help you to be more effective? Okay, both from a family, kids, church point of view, all the way to corporate, all the way to students, whatever the need is there. Okay, so we are evaluating that and we're looking at that. So bear, bear that in mind. Okay, so Judea, our region. Next one. South Africa. Speaks for itself. Okay. Uh, wherever God kind of leads us. And then, then our international missions. Now specifically, I just want to, this is also kind of launching our missions for the year. I just want to give you a snapshot of it. Pray about it. And ask yourself, God, where are you sending me? Or are you calling me to send? How can I enable others to go? Okay, that's, that's the question. It's not about, do I, do I go and not go and not send? Okay, it's, it's an either or. Either you go or you send. Either you pull your faith with those that are going or you go. All right, so th- these are where we are as Shafok. Uh, Johannesburg sending teams next year. Next slide. Okay, so we see our existing relationships are with the churches in Delhi. So within the show for broader show for movement, we are relationship managers with the churches in Delhi, as well as with the City Harvest Church in Dar es Salaam. Okay, so in June, July, and maybe in October as well, we will send teams there. Okay, looks like a long list. We're not looking at sending massive teams every time, okay? Even if it's just three or four or five, that's, that's great. Okay, so both in Tanzania and the Delhi, focus is discipleship and small group implementation. Okay, our relationship with both of them have progressed to a place of where they want us to help them to implement um, discipleship strategy kind of things, and small groups is one of those ways. We're not just doing a straight copy and paste into their context because... It, uh, straight copy and paste is not going to work. But we are looking and helping them evaluate how they can best disciple in those contexts. Okay, Zimbabwe and Malawi, uh, we are aiming for that to be a more student-orientated stu- student mission. So it will be slightly longer and we'll be taking our minibus June, July. Students, diarize the dates. 
um, holiday time. Okay. And then Latvia. I also didn't know where that is. It is just west from Russia, north of the Ukraine. Okay, so somebody in the congregation, Jock Ruiz, he phoned me, said this is what he's got in his heart. It is an event that they've started a couple of years ago, uh, Awakening Europe, um, and it ties in with uh, worship events through the, across Europe, which we also felt prophetically that God is going to start a revival in Europe through worship. Okay, so I have a sense I register with that in my heart. And Jacques, I said, Jacques, if you're willing to lead the team, you can go. And he said, yes. All right, so that event is in August, September. And then the Ukraine, which is still, still to be determined. Cornell approached me and said he, he's been in Ukraine four times on missions, led missions there. He feel God's calling him back there again. I said, we'll back you. Just, just chat to those that have been there, who's the relationship manager, and then we'll back you and we'll send you. Okay, so there's lots of opportunity. Heads up. We want you to be equipped when you go on these missions. So a prerequisite for all of these missions is Encounter 1, Encounter 2, and Encounter 5. Okay? It's 1, 2, and 5. All right. Encounter 1 is about basics about salvation, relationship with God. Encounter 2, basics of relationship with the community, with, with the church. 5 is we teach you how to share the gospel, how to share your testimony, how to pray for people for salvation. Okay? For some of the more hectic missions, maybe India and some of them, three and four is also prerequisites. Okay, so that's where you deal with identity as well as with deliverance. Okay, so if you're uncertain, go to our website, click on Let's Go Sign Up, and you'll see all of this if you missed any of the details. Okay, but before all of this happens, don't go because it seems romantic. Okay, go into, oh, it's a, it's a different call. I want to go on a holiday. Rather go on holiday then. Okay? This is intense. Okay? If, if you go and you step out of line, the enemy can wipe you out. Okay? So I'm not saying that to frighten you. I'm just saying do a check, pray about it. If you feel Holy Spirit saying go, then you go. Or ask the question, Lord, are you calling me to go or are you calling me to send? That is the question. God already said go. But it doesn't mean go for everybody all the time. Um, so spend time in prayer. And if you're not certain, talk to a small group leader. Talk to, somebody, talk to some of your friends. Say, I'm, I'm not certain about this. Will you pray with me? And, and it's amazing just to see how God then comes and confirms things around us. Amen. And if God is calling you to do a family mission to live, we'll be open to receive you. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to pray for us. I want to just pray for an impartation of a heart for the lost. In case you haven't noticed, I have a heart for the lost. And Ludovic Ace, um, he was here a couple of years ago, a big guy, rugby player. We were in India with a pastor's summit. He's bigger than Chris. Um, and we were there, and I, and I came to him, and I felt just a word in my heart from him. He said, that God is going to start breaking your heart for the lost. And you're going to stop, start crying for them. But don't stop it because God is going to do a work through you. And his eyes just started welling up. And he's like, oh, God has already started doing that. So if we are open for God to come and change our hearts in this area, I just want to give you like a, just a warning shot. Okay? He is going to start doing that. Men, if you're uncomfortable with crying before people, okay, just take it into the bathroom or something. Okay? Um, 
But it is amazing the liberty that comes from actually just weeping for the cause of Christ. And allowing God to come and circumcise our hearts in this area. And I really want to encourage you. A lot of you feel like, oh, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not equipped to do this. None of us are. But the Holy Spirit enables us to do this. And there are certain things that, yes, that help with equipping you. Come and do the encounter series. Come and do training, that kind of thing. Those things help. But inevitably, we can't like rely on our equipment. We need to rely on the Holy Spirit in the process. I want to pray for us. Father, we, as a congregation, Lord, we just want to open up our hearts, every single one of us, even those that aren't here today, to stir our hearts for the lost. Lord, we are confronted with needs and injustices and all sorts of things around us all the time. And we are realized, God, that many of us suffer from a compassion fatigue of seeing all of these things around us happening and like, what do I do? Lord Jesus, I don't know the answer to that, but you do. And when we see a need and when our heart breaks for the orphan on the street corner or for the man begging or our neighbor or our family member, that we realize that it's heading to hell if they don't meet you. I pray, God, that we will keep first things first, loving you with all of our hearts, loving the people around us, and going where you send us. Lord Jesus, we carry your presence wherever we go, and whether it's at work, at home, in our neighborhoods, wherever. We want to worship you. We want to lift up our voices and worship unto you so that your kingdom will come wherever we go, wherever our feet tread. And that which you come and tell us in the secret place that we would proclaim it from the rooftops. Compel us by love to take your message to the people around us. Lord Jesus, stir in our hearts. Break our hearts for what breaks yours. We open up our hearts for your work. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Johannesburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.